This is the one with a countdown that started in 1947. Ugh, an airborne pathogen that could be the end of the world. A handsome, adorable, hugely intelligent, but still approachable doctor. The importance of consent. And love enslaves the day. It's called The Pyramid at the End of the World. Here Here we go. go! Whistle on our epic phrase. All through time and all through space. Whistle being an angel sound. Dalek, Cyber, Zood, and Wow! Counting Sonic's rating apps. From the poor to the sublime. Echo Center with Ticker. Let's agree it's about time. Who back when? Reviewing on you who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes, please. Rose and Donna. Amy Pond. Rory Clara. And beyond. Join us on this side to see what other choice could there be but who back when? Who back when? Hello, wonderful people of podcast land, and welcome to the latest episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or Doctor Today, we'll be reviewing episode N138, The Pyramid at the End of the World. Uh, of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> <laughs> I am, of course, Marie, and I am joined by two fantastic co-hosts today all the way from semi-final winning england whoop, whoop. that was a football england. <laughs> <laughs> by the time this episode drops football may or may not have come home <laughs> it's either come home or it's come rome <laughs> oh very nice i see what we did there well done well done um, Marie, who's this legend bantering away with you willy-nilly it's about time he introduced himself or is his mouth full of olives Oh, that's me. Oh, hello. Hi. Leon here. Hello, Marie. Hello. And uh, the lovely chap in blue. Why, I'm Drew back when. Hello, Drew. Hello, Leon. Hello, Marie. Hello, podcast land. Hello, podcast land. Thank you for consenting to listen. Feels like it was a while ago since we last sat down to talk about this storyline, right? Well, yeah, because we've just gone to two episodes every three weeks. We will have stayed in this world for nine weeks. That's quite we something. ended on a on a much of a high last week. Everybody loved the episode, gave it an average rating of four point one. Super excited! Oh yes, our secret unifying number. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh no. So, what did we think? High level? Did this one live up to the expectations that we set for it last week? I think, despite its arid climate, it largely did. Mm-hmm. I think I have to agree with that, but I think I also think perhaps we were. I, I don't know, we were high or something the last time? Like, for whatever reason, we were extra euphoric. And I, I don't know if I'm going to give it quite as high a rating this time around. But I still loved it to bits. I mean, so was Podcast Land, though. Everybody was in agreement last time. Yeah, fair, fair point, yeah. Well, shall we... you, Marie? Well... No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, don't try come to on, come get on. out of this one. <laughs> I, we volunteered uh... our information. <laughs> I think I definitely didn't love this one quite as much. And I feel like the more we delve into it, the more problems we all discover. So, Oh, I cannot wait. There's the (laughs) grit at the heart of the pearl. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely. So what do you reckon? Should we dive into a bee scow? Let's. Time for us to synopsize, lurbify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brew and listen to this overview, this free for all. We like to call it a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who. Bye.
Jill is trying to get the penny to finally drop her trousers before Doc's nightmarish monk simulation of the Earth's takeover catches up with them. When the UN Secretary General crashes their date, looking for the President of the World. An allegedly 5,000-year-old pyramid has just appeared out of thin air in that stand country we visited in the Zygon invasion. And its enrobed inhabitants have swiped right into the world's most volatile tinderbox because they're in the market for love. At the same time, a hungover Yorkshire lab tech is about to bring about 10 to the world as 2020 knew it. But which lab is he in? Will his colleague be able to put a lid on this petri dish? Or will Doc pull a blinder of his own and con his way to our salvation? Peace go over. Peace go over. <laughs> you are welcome. <laughs> on you, Just. <laughs> Good try. It's the thought that counts. So, does anyone want to start us off with a question, perhaps? I mean, I have a fundamental question, but maybe it's so high level and so fundamental, in fact, that it ought to wait. What, and ruin the end of the episode for us? (laughs) (laughs) Are you going to drop a Marie Doomsday bomb on us? No, my my ambitions don't reach that high, (laughs) but uh, I think I... uh, yeah, no, I'm going to leave it. I'm going to save it. Okay, fine. Here's a basic question. Then Here's a, here's a more banal question. Uh, how do they know that the pyramid is 5,000 years old? It's your classic vintage design. It's uh, wide at the bottom, narrow at the top. 5,000 years and they still haven't bettered it. <laughs> Can't go wrong with a good taper. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I was picturing UN uh, scientists, you know, carbon dating the corners of this presumably spaceship. Yeah. Why isn't the place crawling with archaeologists sneaking around the back? Why don't they encounter several amateur Indiana Joneses just creeping around? That's what this episode was missing. For comic relief, it could have had a sidekick of the week or ancillary character of the week who turns up sporting an Indiana Jones hat and a whip and everything and he tastes the dust and stuff and always goes I knew it or Nazis yeah and he's constantly looking for a MacGuffin and everyone acts like they've never heard of the word MacGuffin because it's not part of the Doctor Who universe his name is MacGuffin that's it (laughs) (laughs) his name is Louisiana MacGuffin (laughs) well at least this episode of Who Back When is starting on track no tangents completely (laughs) devoted to this episode Marie, why don't you start us off with something? I did want to ask Drew which of the countdowns was your favourite in this episode. Oh, Oh, goodness. In this episode, we had countdowns within countdowns. I know. (laughs) (laughs) And then count ups as well. It started like ticking ticking backwards. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, dear. Well, I'll tell you what. My favourite countdown was definitely not the so-called two minutes at the end of the episode, which began at 40 minutes and four seconds and set the lab ablaze at 44 minutes and 44 seconds. So a full four minutes and 40 (laughs) rather than two minutes. And you can't even excuse it as, oh, we're seeing things in parallel um, sequentially because Doc's on the phone to Bill like the whole time. Yeah, that's true. Oh, well, I, I didn't really pick up on that when I was watching it. I thought that was really tense. Oh, it was really tense. It definitely was. But just give him four minutes, 40 seconds rather than two minutes. Yeah. Or just, so, or just in post. Yeah. Cut all the edit it down so it actually takes two minutes. I'm sure they can get all that. Yeah. In truncate silences, <laughs> silences <laughs> yeah. you guys. <laughs> that scene was super duper tense. I thought that scene was very well made. But 
Who has a door lock like that? Why would you have in a super high-tech lab, why would you have a door lock, like a key combo, that's basically that gizmo from the Da Vinci Code? like Slash the crystal maze. So I never watched. It's it's very much a crystal maze prop. Yeah. You've got to figure out the riddle and then move these on the wall. And once you've got it to three six one four, a little hatch appears and you reach in and the crystal's there. It's it is not a proper lock. I mean, hmm. I I have a fundamental question, but now I'm worried that it's your fundamental question. It might be. It might be. Save it. Save it. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, if it's if it's an earth shatteringly well plot shatteringly high level question, then. Yeah, maybe save we it. Can get it definitely that. falls about the beginning of this countdown. Oh right, oh that's interesting. Countdown. Yeah, let's talk about the long yeah. countdown. It did. It really stressed me out how they were like, "We've only got a couple of minutes to work this out," and it's like, "But you've been on two minutes to midnight for like half an hour now. It's clearly not." <laughs> it was all this that, like. That is how the doomsday clock works. It did start in 1947. This is a real thing. We are part of this countdown as we speak and broadcast. Oh, no. (laughs) I've got some facts about this countdown, as you would expect. Please share them. (laughs) Okay. So the Doomsday Clock is set every year by the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists Science and Security Board. It wasn't always set every year. Currently, it is 100 seconds to midnight, which is the closest to midnight it has ever been. It's closer to midnight now than it was in 1953, when the Soviet Union developed their H-bomb, in 1963, when the Cuban Missile Crisis happened, and 1984, when there was a new arms race. In 1991, it was a full 17 minutes to midnight, and now we're 100 seconds away from Armageddon. Is this because of the coronavirus, or is this because, um, you know, the Trumps and Johnsons of the world? I mean, they do take a, you know, the highest level picture possible. They mention a lot of things. They, they mention the COVID-19 pandemic. They mention accelerating nuclear programs in multiple countries. So, But what does it mean, literally mean 100 seconds? Like, that the world could end in 100 seconds if someone made, like, the right call? It's just or, a symbolic thing. Just, yeah. yeah well, it's just a symbolic way of saying... We think humanity is more likely to get fucked this year than in any year since 1947. <laughs> when shit was happening. Yeah. Thanks, Not scientists. Just, yeah, yeah. Thanks very much. <laughs> no, yeah, now <laughs> also, I feel thank better. you for providing a plot device for Watchmen. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I think you raise a super duper good point though. Like rewinding a little bit, Marie, your point of like it's been at this stage, the Doomsday Clock has been at this level for quite some time. There is no immediate rush. You don't have to. You don't have to do this right now. On well, they need of- to contextualize it a bit. They need to. The Doctor needs to say, as of 2017, when this was shot, it's never been closer than two minutes. If it goes down below two minutes, then we're really in serious trouble so that there's a bit of an anchor there so that when it goes to one minute and then when it goes to 20 seconds people know when to get onto the edge of their seat well i also think that it's odd that we have this set of people i mean who are these people they're not the elected leaders of the countries in question they aren't representative of all countries all nations on the planet let's see we have the un china russia the us that's it that's what we have and they're not they're not the you know it's not the president of the us it's some general it's not uh, putin isn't there it's some military dude 
from Russia. Yeah, they say they get the head of the Chinese armed forces in there, but the dude from Russia just seems like he joined up a few weeks ago and was <laughs> sent to the most remote outpost where he thinks he's just going to kick his heels. Yeah, I mean, seriously, he's the he's the head of Russian military, we're led to, led to believe, but I, I mean, fair, he's got a lot of things attached to his jacket. There are a lot of little coloured strips on his chest, but he doesn't look particularly imposing. He has very little in the way of dialogue. He's like out answering a phone. He's the head of the military. He doesn't have time to answer think, phones outside think, on like a smoke break. What the I shit is happening? I don't think he is the head of the military. I think he is just some guy and they're careful not to pin him down. Do you think head of the military? Because if the if the three heads of the military were all there, well, they would be having this conference anyway. Do you think Doc picked up the wrong dude? He picked up the nearest Russian. <laughs> He, he's blind. His the controls. He can't work them as well as he usually would like, and so he's like, just just find a Russian, any Russian in a uniform. Yeah, Could that'll be a stripper. do. I don't care. <laughs> but the Chinese, she is the head of the Chinese, like Chinese military, isn't she? I think he introduces yeah. her. So it's a bit. It's re- and the head of the UN is there. It's really unfair just to throw this like poor Russian soldier in who doesn't have a clue what's going on, who's just having a fag break and wrong place, wrong time. <laughs> Yeah, and I think actually there is a point later in the episode where they're talking to each other, they're having one of their summits, their 10-minute Lee summits, and they say, well, we're not all in charge, and we aren't. We can't speak for humanity in just the way that Leon has uh, very appropriately brought up. So, yeah, it's it's a bit fuzzy and a bit weird and a bit subpar. Yeah. It I seemed really as though they would lose... Rega- oh, sorry. I really thought it was going to be that the doctor was the only one who had the authority. Like, he's the... Because it was like, we need someone in power, and he's at this point president of Earth, so he has the most power of anyone on Earth. Well, they also get Bill to speak on his behalf. Like, Bill represents all of mankind at the end of the episode. It's like, but no. Well, <laughs> Surely there should be some sort of... I, I, I'm. This is not a statement about voter ID before anyone writes in. <laughs> but seriously... <laughs> I feel like almost anyone could stumble into that pyramid and just go, hi, I speak for humanity. <laughs> this is what's going to happen now. But they know who she is, and the Doctor's companions so, have always been a spokesperson for humanity, so there's prior there. Like, Clara, how many times hmm. was Clara a spokesperson for humanity? Yeah, that's true. That is, that's very, very true. Or Donna. Was Donna... Yeah, s- still. I oh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I thought she might have been at they'll, one point. They'll elect anyone nowadays, Marie, right? There's no one I'd rather have in my corner. <laughs> if I need someone to ferociously speak on humanity's behalf, I am throwing Catherine Tate into the ring. <laughs> Do you know what? I can get behind that, actually. <laughs> there was two co- elements to that. There was you have to have power, and it has to come from a place of love. And the love mm-hmm. element really, really stressed me out. Like, oh, no. If these are in, you know, species that are trying to take over us and, like, you know, well, enslavers is how the doctor says it. It's like, how does he phrase it? It's like. He says love is slavery. At love one is point. slavery. Yeah, that's what he says. It's like, well, if they are literally just trying to enslave us, I feel like they don't need permission. I don't really know where this love idea comes from yeah it's a real gamble as well isn't it i mean they've they're really playing the long game because they really (laughs) really want to take over the earth they've had this massive simulation it's been running for goodness knows how long they built a freaking pyramid and they went to whatever it was to mezistan 
they've gone to great lengths and then they've invited four people who aren't <laughs> even the right four people and three of them are military people. I'm not saying any, this is not a statement about love in the military, but like I feel like maybe career military people aren't necessarily going to fall in love with alien invaders right off the bat. And <laughs> what if no one represents love? What if Bill is like, what if they go, oh, this isn't love. This is just friendship. Yeah, yeah sorry, who, you're now who also defines love? All right, no more candidates. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, Earth. <laughs> the, the other thing that really stressed me out is the first guy that goes up and is like, yeah, yeah, I give you permission. I've got power. And they turn around and go, no, this comes from a place of fear. Now I'm going to kill you. And it's like, well, how how is anyone else supposed to give you permission and not be afraid? You exactly. just seen you turn this guy to dust. Like, yeah, it's always going to come from a place of th- fear if you threaten to kill someone if they don't oh, have exactly. pure like pure intentions or whatever. Yeah, uh, can I quote from one John four eighteen? Oh, here we go. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Because, because I, I will get around to why I'm Bible quoting. But the I'm going to have an olive while you do this. <laughs> the verse in question is: "There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishments, and the one who fears is not perfected in love." Love and fear essentially can't coexist in the right. same. Right. So, so breast. Bill's love of the Doctor is so pure that it's undoes any fear she might feel or have felt in that moment so she's yeah. got no fear and of the then, consequences because her love yeah her love is pure but she does have yeah, fear and she trusts in the doctor as soon as she gets to talk to the doctor again she's like you best bloody get my planet back like she is afraid of these people mm. i don't know if she's afraid so much as um she's not well she wants them out as quickly as possible and surely she but surely she's afraid for the doctor at this point the doctor's gonna die in two minutes and yes, she doesn't do anything yes, absolutely she must be terrified yeah no I, you're right there <laughs> <laughs> yeah you didn't think about this pyramid guys yeah. <laughs> i mean maybe she's just anxious rather than fearful there are so many near synonyms that they they could be distinguishing between i wonder if it's that you you can't be afraid of them these monk people yeah that's it because, that is it. The fear can't be directed at them. The thing, the thing that I found really funny about that was they made a point to say, "Oh, we we made ourselves look like you so that you wouldn't be afraid." And it's like, what? <laughs> How have you? Where is this you model like of a gross human? Zombie boogans. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> They've been watching some like old Hammer Homer films and just like, oh, that's what humans like. <laughs> I think that's a really cool line, though. The yeah. uh, you look like corpses. You are corpses to us, or whatever. Uh, yeah, I've forgotten the line. I know. Yeah, yeah but I didn't really yeah, get I, it. That is essentially the line, yeah. Why are they corpses? Why are we corpses to them? Because we're basically dead unless we consent, unless we love them. Oh, that's not what I took that to be. I, I took that to be, I mean, they maybe they have greater lifespans. We're basically just like decaying, decaying bags of meat. <laughs> and uh, from the moment that we are born, we are set on that. The countdown, Drew, it's uh-huh, taken uh-huh. away. Our life is taken away. We are effectively, we're, we're basically already dead yeah because that's how work as well that's how it starts isn't it is saying like you as soon as you're born your your route to death is already set in motion and then it starts out with the woman and her like idiot husband like smashes her glasses in the door somehow and that's yeah what a dick yeah (laughs) (laughs) but yeah there was this this whole thing about you know every step you take is a step towards death oh and i think is that i don't know who says that is that the doctor and he's meditating via guitar which was quite cool yeah that is very cool yeah metaphysical noodling (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
whilst talking to himself out loud. I, I really like that. Yeah. But yeah. seriously, her, her husband in the beginning, or partner or boyfriend or whatever, or housemate, mm. what a massive dick. He doesn't even say, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, no, your glasses. Are, are you okay? Do you want to borrow my reading glass? Like, there is nothing. Zero <laughs> sympathy. This dude causes potentially the end of the world. Oh, he is absolutely the cause of the end of the world. Yeah. Well, yeah, I he mean, sets everything else in train. I think the hungover guy is probably slightly to blame <laughs> as well. <laughs> he should not be I there. mean, he's a part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he should have gone that hungover also, guy. Whoever, sorry, whoever programmed yeah, the right. system so that you could put that much enzymes into the thing, like, why is there not a failsafe that says, oh, didn't you mean one yeah. point something rather than a thousand? Like, it just... You shouldn't be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. ten when times wanna, more like, than we ever bargained for. Yeah. <laughs> when I post a blog post, I get the question: Are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks. I, I am sure. But but when you put together potentially cataclysmic combos of uh, chemicals, there is no two-factor authentication. There's no like we've sent a code to your phone. Could you just punch that in to make sure that you're you? Yeah, in a lab that is nothing but emergency protocols and summary shutdowns and get in the ways. Yeah, I don't like that lab one bit. I I disagree with that statement. I think this lab is an utter ball of shite because that's not how airlocks work. That's not, that that should not be an airlock. That is, sorry, that isn't an airlock. It's not an airlock. An airlock is not just two doors with airlock written above them. It is like you shouldn't be able to just like leave both doors open. That's not how they work. The freaking pin code thing. We talked about that already. The fact that someone can stumble in, hung over, and have like an unprotected cup of coffee next to him on the desk. (laughs) That you're allowed to take off your mask in a room that requires hazmat suits. Like it's utter balls. Mm. Yeah. What what that airlock is is an antechamber. It's a passage. There is no airlocky element to it at all. Although I do have to say, yeah, nothing is being locked. Exactly. Yeah. Um, at my high school, we had this like open air, like covered over like sports thing that was basically a big balloon that was blown up and that had like an airlock that was two doors and you were never allowed to have both doors open at once because all the air would come out and it would deflate but they were just doors like you could literally have them both open and there would just be always a teacher there being like shut that door Yeah, okay. I mean, I'm going to represent two ends of of the spectrum of emotional reactions to that statement. (laughs) Reaction number one, that is the freaking coolest school equipment or locale venue, whatever, I've ever heard of. That's amazing. (laughs) And on the opposite end, yeah, but you didn't have potentially cataclysmic chemical combos in there. It was just like sweaty teenagers. (laughs) So if you leave both doors open, the earth isn't going to implode. Hang on, does that does that mean that you can never circulate the you can never replace the air in this sweat box and it's it's just got teenager juice dripping down the walls and the teacher's going, No, keep it in, keep it in, we can't lose a single drop. Yeah, it's disgusting. Did you have like chemical showers on the way out? Oh no, there's no showers in the school. <laughs> Oh, (laughs) we did pee in a balloon. (laughs) Like you don't think we had showers? No, but my entire high school career. Did you say you peed in a balloon? No, No, pee. Oh, I see. British for physical education. 
Um, but yeah, every single year we used to do fundraisers so that we could finally replace this massive balloon with an actual sports <laughs> centre. <laughs> and I spent. I mean, you're like, would you do that? That sounds amazing. Yeah. I spent hours How doing like sponsored was this walks balloon centre. Oh, it was massive, like a proper, like like a you know, I don't know, like a track sized thing. You could do. Did, did you ever replace it? Yes, the year after I left, I spent my entire oh, career typical. raising money for it. And then it became a really swish, swanky gym, and all the like residents of the area used to go and pay to use the gym because it was so good. And my mum went in that gym, and I've never stepped foot in it. So, oh, I mean, no. th- that's utterly unfair. But I, I will know. ask the obvious question: What happened to the balloon place? Yeah, and all the sweat that they'd carefully <laughs> nurtured and stored. I think the janitor took it home. Yeah, yeah, oh. I, that's his business. We never asked any questions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's so typical. You you go anywhere school university for six years three years while it's a huge building site and then soon as you're gone i mean that's basically what happened to us as well at brooks isn't it oh, no it's yeah. so we- nice now <laughs> <laughs> yeah, podcast land. We went to a university that when we attended that university, it was a glorified car park. And now it looks like freaking Starfleet Academy. <laughs> yeah. It actually does. I went in there recently and I was like, oh, I don't know where the toilets are. Can you point me in the direction of the toilet? And someone just pushed a wall and it like swung over. <laughs> Whoa. Can anyone remember what we were talking about? Oh, right. Yes. Uh, something about a pyramid. Okay. <laughs> Can I go back to my Bible connection? Because I brought up that oh, Bible yeah. connection. Because if you remember, in last week's episode, I said that one of the two foundational commandments of Christianity upon which, as it says in the Bible, all the laws and the prophets hang, was entirely love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And here we have the monks saying, you need to love us. Oh, in a very similar way. Yeah. Well, and I hope that God would be a slightly less creepy when he asks you to love him. <laughs> yeah, and he's got nicer eyebrows as well, as we also learned from this episode. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and they're dressed as monks and they arrive in a pyramid so there's another you know religion represented there as well is this just Moffat at work well i was just going to say that i liked the way it treads lightly on belief systems that precede this episode it, it picks the elements but it doesn't say this is exactly where they're from this is the exact wording it takes the theme and the concept and reframes it and le- allows you to engage with it in a different way rather than provocation and defense. So I yeah, it, really enjoyed its appearance. I, I'm, I'm glad to hear it. That being said, in the last episodes, we did get the pop. So that's <laughs> that's like kind of a clear religion represented. Yes. yes Not as one true. of the bad guys, but still, we spent a lot of time in the Vatican. Oh, the Vatican. Yes, yes, Oh, yes, the, oh the Vatican. <laughs> Oh, uh, by the way, we, the Pope shows up in the... I'm sorry, this is, is this a tangent? I, I, I'm sorry if, if I'm interrupting the flow of this topic. No. All right, great. Uh, in the intro to this, in the, like, previously on Doctor Who, mm. we get to see the monk. Uh, by the way, the previously on Doctor Who is awesome. It's so nicely interwoven, like, uh, previously, now, previously, now. Lovely. Yep, but we also do get, in my notes. We do get to see the Pope again. And last time, in, in our last review... One of you asked, what does the Pope say? Ah, yeah. That was me. That was you. And I, I hadn't made a note of it. Now I didn't make a note of it. And what he says is effectively, what's happening? Who are you two girls? How did I end up in this house? 
and that's it. I mean, maybe right. he said more, but that's what he said in the previously on Doctor Who. Makes sense. That's what I'd say if I turn up in a random, random woman's bed. That's what I would say if I were the Pope too. Yeah. <laughs> I do feel like poor Bill cannot catch a break, though. She's got this I know. lovely woman back again. <laughs> and now the UN yeah, Secretary but, but General. Why did up. Penny leave, though? But why did oh, Penny leave? Who it... knew? Like armed soldiers just like no. burst through the door. Yeah, does that not, not even deflate you a little bit? <laughs> Wait, no. I will I will remain exactly as tumescent post-Secretary <laughs> <laughs> General of the UN as pre thank you very much drew <laughs> but seriously like uh, uh, i don't pro. understand <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't understand why she leaves. Like surely this is all proving Bill's stories right. So up until this point she's been talking about oh you know the pope was here blah 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 and it's like oh no that that kind of thing would never happen. N- no uh, representative of a large organization political or religious or or whatever is not going to stumble into this this room. Bill isn't part of global politics and then the freaking secretary general of the UN steps in. Don't- yeah. Penny should be going like I'm really quite impressed. Like this is exciting or just oh I, i'm so sorry that i doubted you and then probably want to tag along but be told by the secretary general of the un i'm sorry you're not invited penny <laughs> you don't have uh, clearance um yeah, oh, exactly. don't why, think... why isn't penny studying archaeology oh no, oh, no. What's ah! perfect what is her name let me just flip through the the <laughs> credits wait is it penny mcguffin penny mcguffin smith um, but I just don't think if I if I was on a date with someone and they were like, oh yeah yeah, last week we went on a date in a dream and the Pope came through the door and then a minute later the U- UN Secretary General walks through the door, wouldn't you think they were just trolling you and you'd be like, okay, this is not funny? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah this UN is your Secretary- uncle. Yeah, but it's yeah. the Secretary General of the UN. It's not like a crack dealer with a neck tattoo. Like it, it is. This is a respectable individual who's stepping through the door. Yeah, no, I, I'm totally the Secretary General. Sharp. <laughs> That's not a statement against uh, neck tattoos. <laughs> but seriously, if we have crack dealers in our audience, then I mean, come on, do something better with your lives. Um, <laughs> we need to get that Patreon page set up. Stat. <laughs> Shit, yeah, we really do. <laughs> but no, Marie's completely right. Penny would absolutely be super skeptical and be like, you set this up. This is ridiculous. You think this is going to make me go down on you? <laughs> Yeah, you're no, trying to make me first. think Thank you're you so much. important. You know the UN Secretary General. <laughs> yeah. By the way, your teacher is the president of the world. Like, you, there's just no way you'd believe any of it. <laughs> Did you think it was a little bit weird that she was volunteering this information to Penny beforehand? Yeah, yeah I did. But then, Isn't the doctor oh, meant to yeah. be incognito? But then I did think, like, he very happily just tells, like, anyone, left, right and centre, oh, yeah, I'm the doctor, I'm an alien, blah, blah, blah. He's not she's secret about right, it. That's true. But, yeah, I did think, like, oh, who is who is this Penny? Can we trust her? Why are you sharing all the doctor's secrets? Yeah. But, yeah, she's just showing off. She's like, oh, look, I know someone cool and important. And yeah, that's true. We nearly, yeah, I mean, yeah. this is this is a first date, isn't it? You're going to be scrabbling for conversational topics. <laughs> like, uh, you, you know what? I, I, the doctor's my banker. He he's a he's a cool thing. I can waste ten minutes on while we go from the restaurant to the bedroom. Hopefully. <laughs> so we talked about the UN Secretary General. Do you want some facts about the guy who played the UN Secretary General? Yes, please. He is played by Togo Igawa, who is an actor of very long standing. He joined the Royal Shakespeare Company back in 1986. <gasps> That's the year I was born. <gasps> oh. He's been acting God, in Shakespeare so for as long as you've been alive. Wow. That's <laughs> impressive. 
He played Emperor <laughs> Hirohito in The Crown. He voiced Kintaru Sato in an episode of Archer. <gasps> yeah, yeah. I just, I just peed a little. Yeah, yeah. He was also in two episodes <laughs> of the IT Crowd, and he also has a previous Doctor Who connection. What? Wait, what? Really? In the Torchwood episode Cyberwoman, he played Doctor Tanizaki. Oh, interesting. I know that this could, could be translated as a blanket statement about Torchwood, but I want to say Cyberwoman was a particularly sexy episode. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Oh, very cool. How I didn't look th- at the trivia for this at all. Oh, yeah. sorry. What was that? Well, I was going to say, how do you think he did? Because actually, I'm not super happy with this secretary, gen- secretary general. Oh, why? Well, I just feel like he had a lot of screen time, but nothing to do with it. The Pope was way more memorable. When he arrived in a room he didn't expect to be in, he was like, how did I arrive in this room? I am <laughs> reacting in the most Italian way possible. Whereas <laughs> this guy has more of a vibe like, I'm a politician of many years with a studied and practiced inscrutability. I may read as boring, but actually I have many hidden depths, only the majority of which are tedious. I also collect stamps. Yes. The, the I think this is a problem with uh, all of these representatives of humanity, though. Like in, in the last one, there was one representative. There was the Pope. That was but basically there was also it. the Cardinal who said hereticum. Yeah, he was badass. Like all the cardinals were totally badass. Exactly. Yeah, but here, like, yeah, no, sorry, there's no, there's, there's no boss. You're absolutely right. Like here, the the human representative are more numerous and they are diluted as a consequence and there's way more shit going down in the episode so there's less time to devote to more characters this is what i i mean can you distinguish the personalities of the leader of the chinese armed forces or the leader of the russian armed forces or whomever else the american well, i the, guess the, the american, american one, one is just like arrogant that's it the only He's thing i thought more bullish the only thing I thought about the American one was that there was a bit at the end where he was like basically happy to like give over power to this other alien species. And I was just like, this is not an American like army officer. <laughs> yeah. This is at least yeah. American. Do you person. not have a gun license? Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just go and shoot him. There's no way he's gonna go and surrender. <laughs> yeah, but, but he's he's also on the high of having just wrested back control of the planet or representation of the planet from another alien species, the doctor. So he's done the American thing and now so he's wrote, doing something strategic with it. I wrote it down and he goes so Doc goes, It's your world and he goes, Not anymore. And it's just like he tries to say it in a really badass way. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like you just you just you're just surrendering then that's like all you're yeah doing. exactly just because you say it in that voice does not make it clint eastwood that's like <laughs> i'm impotent like, no 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 you don't understand what you're saying <laughs> you know <laughs> do you feel lucky lady you shouldn't <laughs> this is the least powerful gun in the world <laughs> My balls are tiny and I come farts. It's like, no, 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 you don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> you don't get it. <laughs> Delivery isn't everything. <laughs> yeah, I got my interest in archaeology from my grandfather, come farts, MacGuffin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Actually, a come fart is something very different. But yeah, anyway, let's not get down that tangent. But yeah. <laughs> Oh, I thought you'd made that up. That saddens me to know that that exists in some form already. What a world. You know what? I've had enough of it. I'm just going to sell it to the nearest alien. I don't care. 
What was your high-level fundamental question about this thing, Drew? Well, just did people share the, the same sense of underwhelmment from the uh, Secretary General? And it sounds like oh, you see. felt that from all the supporting cast. I was just saying, but like we've had people in this position before, where it's like you've got to speak for humanity and um, like make the decision for everyone, and we generally just get to know them a lot better, and you get a, 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 a like to feel whether their character, whether they're going to do the right thing for humanity or not. And then this time, there's nothing. There's just people going, "Yeah, I'll give it a try. I'm not afraid." <laughs> and they and you keep and Doctor keeps saying like, "You don't know what you're signing up for. Like it could be worse." And nobody's willing to think about it. Oh, no one listens to the doctor at all at no. any point in this entire episode. I bet Nardole doesn't even clean up his room. <laughs> Poor Nardole's passed out in the TARDIS. He's not doing anything. Oh, I really like Nardole in this one, by the way. And I like the rapport between Doc and Nardole. Mm. Yeah. Water, air, food, beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Also, when Erica asks the dog, like, uh, how did you do that? What is that thing? Oh, and Doc goes, like, oh, it's Nardole. He's not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> he is entirely the doctor's fault. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. He's like, oh, I got your lungs cheap. <laughs> yeah, and he's the, the doctor is the reason Nardole is still alive at this point in the first place. True. <laughs> True. That was another thing, going back to why the science room is really shitty, is because, so basically, Nardo goes into the room that they're in at the end, and they've like, we've separated all the, all the biological stuff is over here, and we're going to blow that up, and we're in this second room over here with the airlock that's safe. But Nardo was in that room, and he got affected by the stuff, the bacteria. Which means. Because that's the exact same room that. Douglas turned into a Dougie puddle in. Yeah, so it's already out there. So oh, the room that they oh. blew up isn't all of it. So how does it... Oh, help? but the fire will spread and engulf the entire building, I think. is. Although, hang on, Doctor is no, watching it from that there. other room which exactly. Marie is talking about. Oh, no! Marie! <laughs> yeah, is this then basically a consequence of the airlock having been completely open? That this entire facility is one giant space it, yeah, as opposed exactly. to two but they, separate? But they closed the airlock I think you mean one just... giant space! <laughs> <laughs> but yes... Yes, yeah, so I, yeah, so I guess uh, Doc was too late. Yeah, it's already out. <laughs> You're absolutely right. I remember thinking as the episode was going on, well, this means they'd better blow up the entire building then. And Doc is just standing there, completely motionless. He should be out in the car park. Although I don't know how he would get out there without also bringing some nasty bacterial air with him. But if this, yeah, exactly. But if this thing is airborne, is it not already in the air? Like, would they not need to, from the outside in, need to burn the entire atmosphere, let's say, of whichever city this thing is in? Is it in Sheffield? No, it's not in Sheffield. Where where is Yorkshire? It was contained. (laughs) blow up Yorkshire. Somewhere in Yorkshire. I think it was like supposed <laughs> yeah. to be contained we'll within the building at least and then it was the the air conditioning unit is going to filter all the air out every half an hour so that would get it out of the building. Well, it would vent right, it okay. into the atmosphere so yeah. then the atmosphere's fucked. That's what they're yeah. racing against. Right, okay. So, so, so the there minute, are, I guess, it should then... just be the building that they can blow up but they don't. They just blow up one room and then stand So I think room. you can make the argument that if you are, if you have poisonous air that makes its way into the TARDIS, as in the case of Nardole, the TARDIS somehow makes sure that it doesn't get back out. I think that's fine. But if you just straight up blow up the building, 
you don't just flood it with fire. You, like, you blow up the building. Is that what they do? That doesn't seem entirely contained to me. No. <laughs> well, it's, it's justified by the doctor's one word, sterilization. Oh, right, okay. And so you're supposed to infer from that that any explosion will be hot enough to kill all the bacteria or the doctor wouldn't be pursuing this course of action at all. Okay, yeah, fair enough. And, and, and actually, just to sort of correct myself, he does just engulf it in fire, doesn't he? Because he is on the other side of the glass. He sees the flames. The building doesn't blow up or anything. Like I was going to say, like, well, well, I mean, this doesn't... Like, it seems like you're just spraying it. It's like you're, you're throwing a hand grenade into a vat of whatever acid because you hate acids. Like, yeah, but now you're just going to get acid all over the place. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> says to Bill that he's going to blow up the whole building, like, and everything yeah. in it, including him, basically. Right. So I think I assumed, yeah, he would have to get out, he'd go into the TARDIS, and then they'd escape in the TARDIS, but we don't see that. Hang and on, hang on, wait, 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 mm. wait, wait, wait. He goes through the airlock to the room where Dougie had been, Yeah. and then there's the combination lock on the wall, so there is a third room Okay. where where Erica is waiting. Yeah, it's the other side of the airlock. I mean, yes. the airlock itself is a room. No, 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 no. It's, it's not the other side of the airlock. The, the airlock joins the batch where they originally are and where he plants the bomb and yeah. where Douglas did his shitty programming and Erica was for most of the episode and <gasps> Douglas is a puddle. And then there's the lock and then she's in the third room. You're right. Oh, well. Because I was going to be like, the fundamental problem we have here is that Doctor Who can't stretch their set budget to make a third blank white space, but apparently they can. <laughs> but I don't know what the airlock situation between rooms two and three is. I mean, maybe maybe it's all right. Maybe it stands up. Okay. But it is a lot less bombastic than I thought. And there, there was a fairly simple write around in that you just leave the TARDIS where it is get Erica in there, fly outside the building, and make sure that the whole facility does blow up in one giant fireball. No, don't do that. You'll get acid all over the place. It's fine. The acid will help doubly kill the bacteria. You're going to get supercharged bacteria that spit acid at you as they digest you. (laughs) You know what? Those effects were fantastic. Dougie melting into a puddle. That was horrid. Yeah, the monks turning people into ash. Yeah, that was cool. Gorgeous effects. Really stunning effects. Holy smokes. The one rubbish effect was the plants just being sort of compressed and flattened. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no, you just changed the height to zero. (laughs) 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 That's not how this works. That's not how bacteria eat. <laughs> but those other effects were stunning, and also like the, it, lowering a uh, what was it? I'm trying to remember. Oh yeah, no. So it was a plane, and it was a submarine that just gets sort of plonked next to the pyramid. It looked really nice, although. The freaking monks in the cockpit of the plane, ne'er have I e'er seen anything more naff. That was yes. redonkulous. Yes. What? That was my biggest laugh of the whole episode. <laughs> yeah, it was a laugh. It, it didn't fit in. It just really confused <laughs> just, like, suddenly me. Seen, like, what the what? Because there, <laughs> there was a pilot sat there and then the next time we looked back, there were just monks sat there. And I was like, have they just turned the pilot into a monk? I, could, I didn't really understand what happened. And then it annoyed me. I mean, me. I guess, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, because they all walked out of the pyramid. Places. 
But they all walked out of the pyramid okay, yeah, safely. Sorry. No, they swapped places because they walked out of the pyramid. But I don't yeah, know how no, they got in the pyramid. Right. So they've like, so they've done the. <laughs> how did they get into <laughs> the pyramid? Oh, I mean, they were like teleported by the monks. But then okay. that begs the question: Why did they teleport monks into the plane? They're like tractor beaming the plane down to the ground. Like, why are there four monks sitting in the fucking cockpit, or three monks sitting in the bloody cockpit of this god? bloody damn plane yeah. it doesn't need it doesn't need a monks in the cockpit no oh um, and also <laughs> the, so, really i'm on cocktail four by the way so the other one was a submarine yeah but they're in the middle of a desert or something wait what what was the submarine planning to do to the pyramid there's no water anywhere they launched missiles or they were yeah. going to launch missiles uh, from the submarine okay but the crew ended up in the pyramid like the air oh, crew no, yeah man. it's like it's like you didn't even study the geography of Tamezistan, <laughs> marie sorry <laughs> Uh, same fake country that we encountered in the Zygon uh, yeah. invasion and the Zygon inversion. Yeah. I have a theory about how we ended up with one slash two episodes of Termezistan, by the way. Oh, really? I reckon that Stephen Moffat and Mark Gatiss had been drinking long into the wee hours um, <laughs> after reading each other's latest scripts for the next okay, series wait, 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 of Sherlock. Wait. What were they drinking? What were they drinking? Let's really milk this anecdote. Uh, Stephen Moffat was drinking um, tenants because he's Scottish and he, he wants the extra percentage. Uh -huh. And Mark, Mark Gatiss, he creme he de month. Yeah, he was he was putting on airs with his creme. No, de he was doing a creme de month bomb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because he thinks of himself as just a little bit dangerous, but also incredibly sophisticated. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you have a pint of cognac and you you dunk a shot of creme de menthe into it. Oh, <laughs> I'm making that next. <laughs> so Stephen Moffat is slurring his words in the dead of night. He's like, no one ever puts an episode in Turkmenistan. He's trying to say Turkmenistan. <laughs> and Mark Gator says, oh, do you know what, Stephen? That's really quite brilliant. <laughs> and he's like, what, what? What are you talking about? Gaitis <laughs> goes, well, if we put it in Turkmenistan rather than Turkmenistan, I say Turkmenistan. Yes, yes, I know, Stephen, but uh, let me catch you up with your own genius. <laughs> and on and on it goes until we get this. Ladies and gentlemen, Stephen Moffat. <laughs> I have yet to hear any evidence to the contrary, and that seems perfectly plausible to me. Yeah, this is the best evidence we have to date. <laughs> That's right, slash only, but yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, we've been asking since the beginning of this series, and I should have brought up this question at the beginning, how old is Bill? We now know exactly how old Bill is. Oh, wait, how old is Bill? Did you guys not see? It was all over the episode. Was it? I totally missed this. Yeah, no, where, in, how, It was when? in the Doctor's green screen wireframe tech. Oh! How old is she? Bill is 26. Ah, oh, so young. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And just young enough to maybe go out with a third-year student. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Rad. Okay, yeah. Did it, did it ever show you how old Nardol was? He's oh. timeless. <laughs> Every part of him is a different age. Exactly. The lungs are maybe a couple of years old. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> so we should talk more about Nardol and how, holy crap, his lungs have given out and he hasn't been breathing on the floor of the TARDIS. Well, yes, indeed. Dramatic or what? I mean, this is just one element of a globe straddling series set of cliffhangers but in a way that's sort of the most uh, unforeseeable as to how do we get nardole back again i'm sure it w i'm sure they'll just do it with a with a thing but uh. 
I don't remember, but I'm going to guess TARDIS magic. Yeah, maybe. Sorry, Marie, what was that? Just gave him some new lungs. He's already Frankensteined him once. He can do it again. <laughs> is That's interesting. Is is Nardole Frankenstein's monster to you, or is he Igor? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, the Doctor didn't need Igor to build him, but once the monster is there, he's like, you know what? I probably could offload some of my more menial tasks. <laughs> But yeah, I feel yeah, like I, I, poor little Nardo just on the floor. It was so heartbreaking. I don't know what's going to happen to him. I reckon the TARDIS is going to work some magic, some wibbly wobbly science magic, and uh, you know, extract the air, whatever, run it through some sort of weird TARDIS filter, and then Nardo will be fine. But I think he's not you're even right. breathing. He's just he's just a corpse. But I think you're right, Drew. But like, it's more mm. tense than a lot of other cliffhangers because if it was Bill or the Doctor in that situation, you'd be like, "Oh, it's fine. They're not going to kill off the companion or the Doctor." But because it's Nardo's this weird third character that we don't really understand the dynamic, like he could die off at any moment, and so it feels really like real. Yeah, and it's hard to be cynical on multiple scales at once. You're like, "Ah, I'm sure the Doctor will figure it out." to save the world next week but also nardo the individual is in peril and and i've got i suppose now at this point i should say i have come around some more to nardo i also enjoyed him in this episode there is now enough of a weight of traveling with him and experiencing his character for me to actually give a shit and to care Exactly. Three episodes ago, I'd have been like, "So what?" But now, now I'm really feeling it. Exactly. I think <laughs> oh, they dropped finally. just the right moment because I think three episodes yeah. ago I would have been, "Oh, thank God they got rid of Nardo." <laughs> 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 oh well, it's not all bad. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you've just started to like really feel like he's a part of the gang and really get to know him and get to like him and yeah. Yeah, and he came up with the great idea, the bacteria. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. There's a real <laughs> Batman and Robin, but you know, the Adam West Batman and Robin relationship between Doc and Nardole <laughs> in this one. I, I, I love it. They're like, they really, Nardole really helps put clues together for Doc. And Doc then, like, plucks some Gallifreyan knowledge out of his utility belt. It's great. Yeah. Uh, do you know what also why I'm feeling it? It's because I saw him starting to cough and to wheeze. <laughs> and this is just after the Chinese head of the army has said, it'll be a new strain of flu, a plague, <laughs> something new, something fast. It's like, holy crap. Yeah. Mm. I, I made a note of that line as well, actually. I, I, that, that struck me as... Maybe a teeny tiny bit <laughs> on the nose. I mean, they didn't know this when this episode was being written and produced, but like, holy moly, that is some topical shit. That's literally what I wrote. <laughs> that's in your nose. Oh my God, new that's in your nose. flu, bit on the nose. <laughs> what? <laughs> Here's my friend who agrees with me. Doobie 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 doo. Now it is, but back. <laughs> but it's, that's also just another way of saying how incredibly prescient. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I have absolutely no doubt that uh, Stephen Moffat and... Wait, sorry, hang on. Wait, he co-wrote this with someone. Yes, he did. With Peter Harness. Peter Harness. I wrote Stephen Harkness. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Captain Jack Stephen Harkness. <laughs> Peter Harness. Um, yeah, I mean, I have no doubt that those two were staring into a crystal ball. This is... This is stuff that's been like clearly on our minds for a number of years. And yeah, I mean, eventually all this stuff happens. Yeah. Peter Harness has previously written The Zygon Invasion. Oh. 
co-written the Zygon inversion with Stephen Moffat. Um, and he also wrote one other episode. Oh, which episode? Wait, 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 wait. Someone had to speak on behalf of humanity and make an enormous decision. Oh, wait, hang on. It's not Kill the Moon. It's Kill the the Fucking Moon. It is! Oh, wow! (laughs) Peter, one idea harness, everybody! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but what an idea. (laughs) And in fact, in the Zygon invasion and inversion, there's like one Zygon speaking for all of Zygonity and one human Mm. speaking for all of humanity. Oh, for goodness sake, Peter. Yeah, there are maybe a couple of similarities there. I guess the thing that that in this time, Bill's not really speaking for humanity. And the the rest of them think they are, but they fail. And when Bill comes to do it, all she asks for is give the doctor back his sight. She doesn't, she's not speaking for humanity. She's not saying save the planet she's asking save my friend and then he will save the planet yeah which is also strategic which they have previously turned people to powder for <laughs> yes that's very yeah, true, true. <laughs> but she does yeah even though she's there's not this big whole dilemma in her head about am i you know capable of speaking for humanity because in her mind she's not but actually she is because she's still sold the earth down the river to this bunch of aliens that want to enslave us all yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but before i fully deconstruct that whole piece of logic so-called shall we talk about pearl mackie and how she handles that sequence in the third act pearl mackie the actor <laughs> yeah as bill yes well done leon <laughs> No, but, 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 oh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> I mean, I'm saying that because I think Pearl Mackie, like, I mean, what a performance. She was incredible. A, a tour de force. <laughs> yeah, absolutely agreed. That is what, what I was hoping you would say. She shows such an in- incredibly impressive range of emotion. She has such talent. I don't understand why she's not... I was going to say ubiquitous, but like, I, I don't understand why I don't see her in stuff now. Like, what is what is Pearl Mackie doing at the moment? Because she's incredibly talented. Adverts for the Westgate, wasn't it? That was what we landed on. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. God, I've forgotten about that. That's such a waste of Pearl Mackie. I mean, that's why I'm saying, like, the actor as opposed to the character. Like, I feel like the, the character maybe is a little bit more cliched. Because it has to go down the route of not listening to the Doctor, ignoring all of his pleas, everything he's saying, and sacrificing the biggest stakes. Never mind how big the stakes are. The fact is the stakes must be sacrificed for the Doctor, and this character is the woman to do it. Surely she must be clever enough to realise that what the Doctor is saying is true in this case. Like, I mean, I, I mean, it, spoiler alert, most likely Doc will save the day after the, you know, towards the yeah, end of the next gonna episode. She's going to be proven right in the long run. Yeah, but she can't know that. So surely she must be clever enough to know that with everything, all the knowledge that is available to her at this point in time, the Doctor is right. It's the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. The needs of the entire planet's population outweigh her need for her one chum yeah but love is more right than knowledge apparently so there you go yeah so here's here's something i'm interested in finding out so next episode because i don't remember i i some synapses were reawoken by the next week on doctor who but I don't really remember much about the next week's uh, about next week's episode. But what I'm interested in finding out is: Will people be killed and tortured by the monks? Are people basically living for 
years and years under this despotic rule and suffering and and just being tormented socially, emotionally, physically, possibly by this set of circumstances. Was that all worth her saving this one chump? Well, we will necessarily have to defer that until next time. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not just any chum either. It's a chum that would just come back in a different body. But does she does she know that yet? Or wait, that's a. How did I not think about that? You're so right, Marie. Holy moly! Yeah, exactly. Hey, hey, dog, I'm really sorry. You're about to have a makeover. <laughs> <laughs> See you on the other side. <laughs> yeah. Is that a problem? I mean, not really. <laughs> But have they had that discussion? Does she know that? Because obviously, whenever it happened with Clara, it was always like, well, she's seen, like, she's been back through his past and she's seen him in every body. That's true, yeah. She's very aware of it. But Bill's still a relatively new companion. I can't remember if they've had that. I don't think it has come up. I don't think so either. But maybe he could just say it. I mean, he doesn't have to go into the nitty gritty of it. Maybe he could just go, "Eh, no, no, Bill, don't worry about it. I'm an alien. I'm a Gallifreyan. Just trust me on this one. I'll be fine. Oh, it would have come up last week. I'm impervious to fire. Did it? Sorry? Last last week when they were talking about Missy and how to kill a Time Lord and all of that. But Bill wasn't there. Bill wasn't there. Nardole. Yeah, okay. Um. Yeah, maybe Bill was just very pure of heart and just didn't want to lose a friend. But And she has so much faith in him that she thought that he'd get them out of the situation anyway. If she just saves him now, then he'll save the world later. Ah, faith. More right than knowledge. Hope, faith and love. (laughs) So what was this leading up to, Drew? Because you said, like, oh, let me ask you about Bill first. Oh, right. Before I deconstruct. Well, it it comes down to what Maria's and you have said before, like Bill cannot represent humanity. Once they come out of this pyramid, the seven and a half billion people are going to be like, well, obviously, no, she didn't stand for us in any way. We are a multiplicity of political systems and none of us have even heard of you or know what you're about so no we don't love you they both don't know about them and no love is motivated towards them so the monks have only achieved something symbolic in the flimsiest possible way they have to go through all the work of convincing the rest of the human race to love them and consent but that uh, but i think that was touched upon in the next time thing so we'll see that next week but she i'm sure she said something about like they've inserted themselves through history so it's like they've always been there oh so they so this is them asking bill can we retcon ourselves into can, exactly history? can we rewrite your history so that we've always oh. been the, the leading power i guess and there's like statues of them everywhere and we worship them, I guess. I don't know. Um, yeah, that, that makes a certain kind of twisted sense, but still, the but whole still, representing yeah. thing is yeah. a leap. It is a leap, definitely. Um, next week looks really cool, though. I'm looking forward to that episode. I'm looking forward to it as well. Yeah. yeah. Holy moly. Like we'll, there are a like few we'll see things a different like... side of Bill. She looks really suddenly like quite cool and like badass. Yeah, like she's been walking the earth yeah, for a like year, like Kane in Kung Fu. I was just yes! about to say, yes, we got there. Oh my goodness. So true. <laughs> oh, I love it. There's a lot of that in this episode. I know that's not this episode, that's next time. But when the doctor was on the other side of the glass and trying to get through and they didn't know if they could open the door in time and blah, blah, blah. That really made me think of um, the one with like Donna's dad. What was this oh, I thought you were going to say the Wrath of Khan, but okay. Mm-hmm. Wilf, is it Wilf in the box? Oh, Wilf, Wilf. yes, he of will knock course. Three times? Yeah. The end of time. He will uh, knock four times. Oh, four times. Oh, four times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good-o. 
But it was, but again, because like the doctor was really vulnerable because he could, he couldn't see, and there was no way of like. And then it made you think how you know they should really put braille on these things. What if they've got scientists that are visually impaired? You know, it's not very friendly. Yeah, it's a yeah. very good question. Yeah, yeah. It's all about again, accessibility. This exactly. is not how you build an airlock or how you <laughs> implement pin codes. Yeah, in an airlock. <laughs> This is just straight up terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to ask a question that isn't my fundamental question. I really want to hear your fundamental question. I still haven't asked mine, by the way. Building up to it. I mean, the enzymes, all he does is multiply them by 10. Uh It it doesn't seem like great science because enzymes work on millions of molecules a second anyway. They are ridiculously fast in their operation. Like, unthinkably, unfathomably, they are just gates flipping back and forth faster than you can comprehend. So just adding ten times more of them suddenly makes a threshold above which they kill everything rather than they were just killing a tenth of things beforehand, except they weren't. Uh, It doesn't make any sense. No. You know what else doesn't make any sense? Is when the Doctor goes around touching TV screens and then somehow transmits loads of information <laughs> by, by his hand. I don't understand what happened there. I, I'm, I'm fine with that, by the way. I'm totally Why like I'm licking it? That annoyed me so much. No, I think he is. I think he's like touching his glasses, but then also okay. like making a physical connection with the screen. Okay, well, that's fine. That's good I'm, enough for me. I'm a million percent, a million and seven percent on board for that. I think that's totally fine. The way that you interact with computers is by touching monitors. That's that's how we've been taught <laughs> yeah. that it works. Also, that's what I learned I, from that episode of The Outer Limits. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, we might be thinking of the same one. The, I think we are. <laughs> Did we both watch that when we were 12? What a year that was. <laughs> <laughs> what is your high-level thing, Drew? Okay, my high-level thing is the monks have limitless powers. They can restore the doctor's sight remotely, clearly with tech way beyond that little external hard drive box he had last week that might have used up some of his rege- regeneration energy just to give him a fuzzy look at a computer screen. So, A, why would they have CCTV cameras? And B, why aren't they watching the CCTV cameras when he's fucking about in the lab and reversing all their stuff? And then when they see him doing that, why don't they just click their fingers and he's dead? Because apparently they have the power to give life and take it away. Can I add a a follow-up question to yours? Yeah. Given that they have simulated the Earth innumerable times, they know exactly what happens absolutely everywhere on the Earth. Why would they need to watch CCTV? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, mean that's, yeah. There you go. Yeah. It, there are many inter. There are many angles, facets to this central um, bullshit reveal <laughs> because this. There's nothing. Uh, I just, I just feel like even if you had simulated every possible outcome on Earth in Earth's history, like 
the breaking of the glasses and the guy being hung over are such random like events how like how would a simulation ever get you to the exact right point where that would happen well we're also look overlooking the fact that they fundamentally got something wrong which was that last week in their so-called perfect simulation it was the pope this week it's the un secretary general i thought that was going to be used as some sort of clue because the doctor had watched the perfect simulation so say to be like ah they don't actually know everything because they got the personnel mixed up so they'll have some sort of weakness which i can use but they don't use that at all it just feels like if they like they made them go into this um like the middle of like the start of world war three and it's all these superpowers and they're in this like land that's really you know fought over and blah 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 and whatever and and now he comes away saying oh that was a diversion but that would have made sense because you couldn't predict something like that because that's human behavior that at some point in history these things you know these powers are all going to culminate and that's going to happen i just yeah i just don't think you can predict someone breaking their glasses and just making this cock up like it's just that's just human error and that could happen any day of like in history but apparently they did i'm sorry i just cut you off sorry 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 no no go on that was it can I bring this around to my high-level question? And that is that they, I mean, they have observed the Earth through their incredibly, meticulously devised, their, their granularly detailed, their, their incredibly accurate simulation of the Earth countless times. They know exactly what's happening absolutely everywhere on Earth, including these glasses, as you pointed out. Like, they know about even those tiny little granular details. They know that the Earth is, that life on Earth is going to end as a result of these glasses or whatever, like, as a result of what's happening in this lab. They don't really need to be there. Basically, what I'm trying to say is that the only reason that there is anything to fight for is that they are there. So they show up, they get Doc and Bill to interact with the high, you know, the the leader of the Chinese military, the leader of the American military, the leader of the Russian military, whatever. The random Russian. The random (laughs) Russian guy on a smoke break and the UN Secretary General. (laughs) (laughs) But if it weren't for that, I mean, the, the only reason that they are able to win is because Doc is blind and Bill likes Doc. It loves Doc. It loves Doc. Yeah, that's a very important distinction, actually. Yeah, it's not a like at this point. Come on. Basically, what I'm trying to say is, like, did all of their work pan out? Did they need it? And given that they had done it, did they implement it well? Did when well, they turn on the CCTV, is that a known? Like, are they doing that knowingly? Because the only thing that at this point can save the day is Bill. Yeah. So basically, the last simulation that they did last week's episode, they didn't realize that the doctor was blind, and he he did he made the reveal at the end. Did he tell them that he was blind at the end? Because is that then what this all hinges on? Is that they're expecting all of this to happen and for him to then be trapped in this room. Like they've predicted it all the way up to the last point and they know that Bill's the only one who can save the day. And that's why every other time the simulations have not worked because they didn't have that information. Oh, and this is why this is humanity's moment of greatest weakness because it's the doctor's moment of greatest weakness. Exactly. Because any other time he would save the day. They'll but then that feel. doesn't fit because didn't they? Didn't they say last week that they'd killed him multiple times? Or 
Yeah. In the th- there's that fantastic scene of like, oh no, pain is information. We will in- extract information from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a super duper good point. I'm a million and seven percent on board with what you're saying, but it still seems as though, <laughs> like, it seems as though <laughs> they could have done without the simulation. All they needed to find out was when does someone break a pair of glasses and then that's it. Then you're done. Yeah. They either could have done without the simulation or just could have done without the CCTV. Why are they turning the CCTV off and on when really they should just be fondling their time strands? Mm, and if yeah. that's all they're doing, then the doctor has no way of finding out where the lab is and we don't even get to this part. Yeah, they seem almost shocked when something changes in the time strands. Yeah, when the t- when the doomsday clock starts reversing, they are all abuzz. Yeah, they're like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> so did they waste all that time or was this all part of the plan? I'm willing to say they wasted their time and they won <laughs> by coincidence. And, <laughs> and that, to me, basically negates the entire previous episode. Yeah, I think unless, okay, I, I think I agree with you, but I'm just going to put out an alternative just... Oh, are you you going to do an inverse Marie and save this episode right at the last second? Do it. I'm just wondering (laughs) whether whether the the bacteria and stuff is just is incidental, and that's not the thing. Like, which doesn't really work because they are watching that on CCTV. But anyway, like basically, they've what they've done is pinpointed like the Doctor's weakest moment and decided that that's therefore Earth's weakest moment. And this this is his weakest moment, and it doesn't matter what's going on on Earth. There's always like Earth's always under some sort of threat whenever the Doctor's there, so they always know there'd be something, and it almost doesn't matter what it is. And they're probably checking out, you know, all their fronds tell them every different possible outcome. Now they don't they like it's not a time machine; they can't predict the future, so they have like a billion different outcomes that might happen. And they've pin like they've honed in on this one because that's where the doctor ended up, and that I don't know something like that. Yeah, no, that that makes sense because when you're dealing with probabilities, you've got to cut out as many variables as you can, and if you can just narrow it down to the doctor and his pattern of behavior is incredibly predictable. I mean, the blindness thing aside, which is unique, uh, but also the companions incredibly predictable. Then maybe there's an in there. Yeah. Even though the monks clearly didn't need all of this, and even though the last episode meant nothing in the context of this episode, and even though all of that was a whole lot of oomph set up for no other reason but some pomp and circumstance that then just (laughs) fizzled out into a... Comfort. Then, however... (laughs) Oomph, malumph. Despite all of that... I have to say, everything that was happening in the periphery of that, the, uh, oh no, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna turn off all the CCTV and then figure out which CCTV system they turn back on. Clever! Nice! Loved it! Oh no, we're now gonna figure out how to set a charge and, oh no, how are we gonna get through this airlock, which is not an airlock, yada, yada, yada. It's all very clever and I thoroughly enjoyed all of it. Possibly. Yes on a par with some of the dumbest schlock ever, but I enjoyed it nonetheless. No, I agree. I have, this is clever, peppered throughout my notes, and, oh, this is a more cerebral concept than we usually get a couple of times. There you go. 
it's, it's only when you pull back to the largest scale that you're like, ah, yeah, it doesn't make sense. But Doc working past the most obvious conclusion and saying you've got to look where the misdirection's pointing away from. And yeah, the whole witch uplink has been restored. And that's how we get to them. Yeah, I, I too enjoyed all of that. Hmm. Marie? <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I did too at the time, but you've now made the very good point that if they've got the fronds, why do they need the uplink? And so it just... <laughs> they made the monks too powerful. Yeah, the I monks think... monks essentially... Yeah, good point. It's, it's yeah, like but... the superhero thing um, with Mysterio, like that their powers are ill-defined and apparently limitless. Yeah, I think just being able to snap your fingers and restore someone's vision is is such nonsense. And you're right, if they can do that, then... There is no limit to what they can do, so you need you need some kind of framing so that we can understand them. Whereas if they can just do anything, then why the hell are they asking our permission? Like, there's no, there's never any like reason given that why they should need someone powerful to love them. It's like they can already do everything. Well, yeah, what's their deal? Like, the, the uh, rationale oh. is that fear is inefficient, so they'll have to work slightly harder when they've spent thousands of years <laughs> simulating the quadrillions and quintillions of possible <laughs> permutations of Earth's history. And they're like, yeah, but I don't want to work late on Friday. But even if you take that, there's no logic to that because they have the word of one person that she will love them. And... Yeah, and it doesn't extend out to the rest of humanity, and she doesn't even love them. She loves it's like her motives are love because she loves the doctor. Like it yeah. just falls and apart. Wouldn't, wouldn't their simulation include all of those details? Wouldn't their simulation know exactly that she loves Doc? No one else will ever love them because they're gross, despotic <laughs> zombie monks. Not to be superficial, but I mean, fuck those guys. They're horrible and they're like <laughs> space Nazis. They're terrible people. But we don't know that. Next next week might be the closest thing to Utopia since Derek Jacobi. Well, that's. Oh, yeah. No, that's absolutely the sense I got from next week on Doctor <laughs> Who. Everyone's happy. Dooby, dooby, dooby. But that's, that's kind of what I thought when, when, when they were going, you know, you will ask us for help. Like, we, the end of humanity will come at humanity's fingertips sort of thing or by humanity's hand and we will save you and you will ask us for help and you will love us i did wonder like are they going to come in and be a savior and doc's just really suspicious of anything he doesn't understand but maybe they are good guys and i guess they could have left it more open like they are saving us from destroying ourselves why is that necessarily a bad thing but then yeah the next week on yeah. it does look quite dark so I don't yeah, think, I think the did. episode is is most powerful, this one, where it's playing with the ambiguity, where you're able to follow the American's logic into like, well, or Bill's logic when she's like, well, yeah, maybe there is something to this and this might be the best course of action and it may only be the best course of action for a very short time or it if it's the best course of action for a longer time, then it becomes more insidious and makes you feel more uneasy. And just to have it be like, well, absolutely, these are the bad guys. And the only possible storyline to next week is how do we knock them over mm. because they're out and out villains. It undercuts, you know, they, they could have had, well, part of me is thinking that this episode was already slightly out of date by the time they aired it because they could have had the 
heads of instead of the heads of the three armies they could have had mark zuckerberg and that jack from twitter guy and and some other you know media honcho let's say in the room and they actually do have influence Mm. over if not control over the minds of millions and billions and and there would have been a more direct brainwashing element and you know where is free will and let's actually explore this and get into the thick of it rather than just yeah you know what these religiously robed types in a pyramid ah fuck them that's such a good rewrite drew i love the idea that could absolutely happen well that's certainly this episode for 2020 2021 yeah, but they mentioned the orange president in this episode. Yeah. That's true, yeah. It, the next episode, by the way, I thought it was going to be this episode, but the next episode must be the one that actually features a screen grab of Donald Trump. Ugh. Yeah, it's pretty gross. Yeah, I, I had a I had a beef with the... Uh, <laughs> where Bill says, no, I wouldn't vote for him because he's orange. Yeah. But I, I feel like she should have said i wouldn't vote for him because he's a sociopathic narcissist and i feel like not to call him out on that smacks vaguely of cynicism that all politicians are like that when really bill could be teaching the children watching doctor who if your classmates exhibit any kind of tendencies like this don't vote for them when they grow up stop being their friends or maybe be kind to them and show them a gentler way rather than just if they're if they've got too much fake t- then that's the worst thing about I'm I'm with you on this one it stood out to me as well it's a real paradox because the reason they're calling out Trump without calling out Trump is because he is a uh, horrible racist sexist piece of shit malignant element of modern politics and the way that they express that is by also calling out a superficial quality of his (laughs) like yeah we don't like him because of his color oh wait Mm. guess what you have in common with him right now (laughs) So, <laughs> so that also stood out to me as like, you know what? You're shooting yourself in the foot with this line of dialogue. I'm really sorry, but I know what you're trying to do. I applaud your attempt, but you're not doing it well. I'm very sorry. Yeah. Well, I've only got a couple of points left on the cast. Um, Erica was yeah. played by Rachel Denning. She's only got half a dozen credits. This seems like the biggest TV role she ever had. Oh, okay. Which is odd because I thought she did completely fine. Yeah, she was very good. But we often get this, I think, with sort of these ancillary characters, not with, not with the, I mean, I, I just said this about Bill, but we usually don't get this with companions and we certainly don't get this with doctors or main villains. But with ancillary characters, there are a lot of cases, I think, where we get really quite good acting from people who then don't end up having acting careers and it's baffling. Yeah. <laughs> can't be that they're like the only thing that could possibly persuade me to act is appearing in doctor who my favorite show of all time (laughs) with one exception with one freaking exception who just completely tips the scales and that's bloody alonzo what's his name the dude who plays uh, oh yeah yeah yeah, oh you should talk to him his name's alonzo oh yeah that guy who can't act his way out of a fucking wooden crate that guy has he is ubiquitous wherever i turn i see that guy i don't want to that's the guy i'm really ross i'm really sorry if you're listening to this i i respect you as a human being but i i want to say this from the bottom of my heart 
in no way, shape or form do I respect you as an actor. And I don't understand why you're everywhere. So so why is he everywhere, but the person who um, played Erica is nowhere to be seen? Do you know what? I'm calling it. He's appeared on the show previously like Peter Capaldi did, he's going to be the next Doctor. If that happens, I will slam my dick in a doorframe. I'm not going to be pleased with that. (laughs) Seriously, put a pound on him at a thousand to one and not be sorry. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm going to need that money for for dick reconstructive surgery. (laughs) Of course you will. The Any other final how far will a thousand pounds stretch? <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, yeah, I don't need that big a dick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. The rest of the cast, Tony Garner plays Bleary-Eyed Douglas. You may have seen him elsewhere. He was Professor Tony Shales in Fresh Meat. He's been in Last Tango in Halifax with Jack Harvey. And he was, was also Dan Miller in The Thick of It. Ooh. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, who? Sorry, who? Dan Miller in The Thick of It. It was this guy, but... In the thick of it, with Peter Capaldi. Oh. He, was, uh, he was leader of the Labour Party at one point. Yeah, yeah, I remember him. I remember him. He he quits his job at just the right time for yeah. Peter Capaldi to sort of congratulate him. Like, oh, you're going far. <laughs> mm, yes, yes. Ah, oh, good times. I've got one more thing to, uh, to mention, which goes throughout the episode. Doc is constantly on the verge of revealing to Bill that he's blind. In fact, at one point, he's touching his sunglasses to reveal it, and that's when he has his big clever. Mm. Oh, oh, yes! That's a great scene. But is it also a good runner? Like, constant bait and switch. Like, yeah, I'm going to do it now. Oh, something happened. I'll get around to it later. Because <laughs> I quite enjoyed it. I think yeah, it, I'm with you on this. Uh, I think no, that's good. I think it still bothered me. Like, the, like the same as last week. We were like, Nordahl's being so obvious that he's explaining everything that the Doctor can't see. Why doesn't everyone else pick up on the fact that he can't see? And he still does it again this time. He's like, oh, yes, Doctor, you're walking towards the pyramid. Oh, no, look. Yeah. The door is opening and Bill doesn't have any clue. And I feel like she's like she's so switched <laughs> on in other regards. She should have. And especially I think she, she asked Nardo what's wrong. And he was like, go and talk to the doctor. And that that's when that scene happens. I feel like she could have kind of put two and two together and worked out herself. Yeah, there was there were actually, now I think of it, lots of opportunities for comedy like Nardole could have been really ineptly trying to be subtle about it or the UN Secretary General could have been I don't know he he has a cat's cradle or something or he's 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 got a snack and he's offering Bill some watsits and while she's eating a watsit and going crunch 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 Nardole's going uh, uh, boss you're in front of the pyramid now lots <laughs> <laughs> of little things like that they instead of what you're describing which yeah, completely undercuts the point I was trying to make, and now I agree with you. Oh no, sorry. <laughs> and now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. So it turns out that I've lost the finger on nose game podcast land, so here I go. Part of this rating was written before our review. See if you can guess where I try and stitch the two halves together. <laughs> My rating begins. I almost completely forgot just what a strong series this was. (laughs) I knew it had some good episodes and Smile and the Lie of the Land weren't up to much. Uh Uh-oh. But my overriding memory was of chagrin. 
that this was going to be Capaldi's last season, when what I should have been concentrating on was relishing the brilliant series that would be his swan song. And I would add, some of this could apply to Jodie's run too, with all the speculation and extraneous contextual crap that's swirling around the show. I'm now at least half expecting to enjoy many of Jodie's episodes more. Anyway, this is a complex and twisty thriller. There are clevers. It's all in 45 minutes. It's much like Oxygen was, but not quite as good. It goes through several stages with... Lots of concepts, as I said before, I'd call cerebral, and it is a great cliffhanger. We haven't talked about how the UN wouldn't take no for an answer, so when Capaldi opens the TARDIS door, they're on boat one, and (laughs) the TARDIS is there, and the commander sheepishly says, "Uh, yeah, actually, we knocked down your entire fucking building to get you in here, sorry. The pyramid effects are great. I liked how the shadows got changed to show time passing it's very simple but it's nice to see that it wasn't missed and the monks taking the planet and its people when they'll be invited it's so sinister it's wonderful but they didn't make the most of the concept i was going to give this a higher rating than extremists before we started but you guys have comprehensively and inarguably (laughs) pointed out that this episode is inferior Oh, but I did enjoy watching it. I really did. I am feeling a great internal tension at this point. I think I'm going to give it a 3.4. Oh, 3.4 from Drew. Or am I? Oh, Oh. Capaldi is so good. We haven't even talked about just how good Capaldi is because he's so good every single time. And Bill is good and Nardole is good. And I care about him now. Oh, but wait, I just remembered all the supporting cast. No, I'm still there. (laughs) (laughs) 3.4. Fantastic mini, Drew. Holy shit snags. Yeah, I'm looking at my bullet points as well, and they are, (laughs) they're not entirely congruent with the rating that I've added at the bottom of it. Case in point, my very first bullet point is literally just, WOW! All caps, exclamation points. So Um, informative! (laughs) I will take that to mean I really enjoyed this episode. I thought it was very entertaining, I thought it was thrilling. I was figuratively on the edge of my seat on a number of occasions whilst watching this a few Mm. days ago. Doc, I think, is on top form. And also this this episode was not constantly, but certainly frequently tugging at my heartstrings. We've got Bill's love of Doc. Oh, but I love him. I promise I do. Doc's love of humanity. Oh, sacrifice me. I'm blind, Billy Lass, and I'm hung like a Highland pony. Nardole <laughs> can't catch a break. I can't do Scottish. I'm sorry. Uh, can you hack them? Of course I can. I'm not just sexy. Oh, I love oh, you, Nardole. No. You're so great. Erica's glasses. They were prescription and really quite expensive. Oh, no. Heartstrings <laughs> constantly tugged on. A lot of people. I, I, I'm looking at my bullet point. I've said everybody. I'm going to downgrade that to a lot of people. We're firing on all cylinders in this episode. <laughs> Nay, in what so far amounts to parts three and four of this new Who serial. Holy mm-hmm. smokeroonies and cheesecakes. The monks, the monks who are either Anna Paquin's less popular friend or late stage career Jennifer Love Hewitt. Oh, tell me I'm pretty. Tell me you love me. They were great. They they were good. Silly at times, but but also like really quite intimidating. But only really because I know that as a trio, these this serial, the, the, these three episodes are going to make them a really quite strong big bad. 
Also, some very interesting things happen in this that normally don't happen. I'm going to mention, I don't know, just one example of the literally one single example I can think of, namely <laughs> Doc advocating for attack. We didn't talk about this, but that's kind of a big deal. Uh, oh, what are we going to do? Doc doesn't go, oh, well, hang on, I, I'll do a clever, or I will figure out a pacifist way out of this conundrum. He literally goes, everyone coordinate your attacks. You, a dude on smoke break in Russia, or possibly Soviet Union. I don't remember when I picked you up. You, a, 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 a military leader of China, yada, yada, yada. It's all very anti-doctor-like or non-doctor-like. Speaking of people who are not themselves, the UN Secretary General sees a magic eye poster and just hands over the earth to aliens and then turns to an ashtray. Love it! It's <laughs> great! Oh, okay, I'm thoroughly enjoying this episode and, uh, oh, sorry, this serial to date. So we're now two-thirds into this serial. I'm really, really enjoying it. I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing. I am aware that this, namely Act 2 of 3, is perhaps a little weaker than the opening act. And for that reason, I'm giving it a slightly lower rating than I had originally written down. Podcast Line, we pressed pause a while back and <laughs> looked at our past ratings and all debated, oh, I've given that rating to X amount of episodes in the past. The, the, the rating that I was talking about at the time when I said something like, I've given this to seven episodes already, that's crazy bananas. That was a rating of 4.0. What? <laughs> but I'm not giving it that anymore. <laughs> And that's your fault. Yes, that's right. I'm looking at you two, Marie and Drew. That's what? entirely your fault. You were the one with the great big <laughs> fundamental question. <laughs> yeah. What was that again? What was the answer to that? I don't know. I don't remember. All I remember is that we've had a conversation about this episode and we've basically deconstructed into it, it into a, a pile of really quite entertaining horse manure set ablaze. And, and uh, consequently, I'm going to give this a, oh, I'm in fact giving it a slightly lower rate that I had already written down. I'm giving this a 3.7 because I remember how good I felt when I watched this. So 3.7. Yeah. Interesting. <clears throat> 4.0. Drew <laughs> I was originally going to give it. Exactly. Yeah, I was originally going to give it like a 4.3. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do you remember really how young and naive it. you were at the time, Drew. <laughs> can, can I quote... Thank you for playing the big pyramid game. See you next week. Hopefully not. <laughs> and, and then the doctor says, guess what? The earth's been doomed before. Guess what happened? Me. I mean, it's so good in parts. In, it really is. In parts. It really is. The, uh, in parts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, I want to thank you for your excellent review, Leon, because listening to your review just then has made me rethink <laughs> my already much lower score to being even lower because some of the <gasps> I'm so oh. sorry. Oh no, what have I <laughs> wow. done? Drew, please honestly, don't hold me accountable for this. I'm so sorry. <laughs> honestly, some of the things that you just picked up on that were like, oh, that was really cool are literally in my notes to be I didn't like that. So I didn't like that the doctor <laughs> oh, no. was like, yeah, yeah, just bomb the shit out of them. Like, that's so undoctor-like. And so, like, there's no <laughs> there's no big clever there. It's just resorting to violence. Yeah. And he never does that. And why does this alien 
warrant being bombed to smithereens versus any other alien that we've seen. So I I really didn't like that. Um, yeah, they haven't done anything yet. They're innocent till proven guilty. Yeah, right? well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, uh, <laughs> he's obviously really suspicious of them, and he needs to sort them out. But just you've still got three minutes left on the doomsday bomb. We've been in more dire straits than this before, and come out of it without bombing everybody. So yeah, I wasn't sure about that. Did you mention the t- the charming like oh no like she broke her glasses and the husband's really whatever that really bumped me out and I really <laughs> <laughs> I really 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 hated. Okay, so I, I quite liked, okay, there's a little like close-up of the glasses smashing and you're like, ooh, that's going to come back later. And then the hungover guy flashes back to like a beer bottle smashing and it's like, ooh, look, symmetry. The glass <laughs> glass bottles have smashed and the glasses smashed and look how great it is. But they then repeat it like three more times. It's like, oh my God, we're, okay, we get it. There's some symmetry here. <laughs> These things are important. And it just felt really, really <laughs> ham-fisted um, to me. And then the army leaders we talked about being really unimpressive and uninspiring and just bland and blur. And there were so many new characters mm. that I couldn't even tell you their names or what you know what they stand for. Um, <laughs> love will save the day again. Ugh. Like this whole idea that like the the monks were going, oh yeah, you've you've got it. Pure love is the only way that you can you know give us power, but also not die in the process. <laughs> So it's a it's a slightly different one, like than how we've seen it before, but it is ultimately Bill only survives because she loves the Doctor, and therefore it's another mm. iteration of Love Saves the Day, which also really bums me out. <laughs> yeah, just, just don't, I just think it was really tacky and cheesy, and I just like I don't think I enjoyed it half as much as you guys in the first viewing. Like, and it's it's a real shame because. It, I think it's it opens up in a really really interesting like the monks are so ominous and like you will ask us for help and we and ah oh, and I like I just want it to be better than it is and it all fell apart and yeah you, both your fundamental questions didn't really get answered <laughs> but I'm doing but I did I think I did like it I haven't written any positive notes really but I think I enjoyed it. <laughs> But it's just a lot less than you two. So I'm gonna give it like a like a oh, like a two point nine, I think. Oh, oh, oh I'm so excited right now. Uh, <laughs> I was on a three point one because I was just gonna give it like a whole score less than extremist because I you know, it was like a it was good but like not as good. But yeah, the more I heard you guys talk, the more I was like no, I don't like any of these things. No. <laughs> oh, not even any credit for predicting COVID-19. <laughs> like, virologists around the world predicted COVID-19. Like, that's not anything special. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but the acting was good. Everybody, what a note to end on. <laughs> everybody was good, but the storyline was a bit naff, I think, for me. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Listener minis, anyone? Oh, yeah. Yes. Enjoy your ratings, Marie. Now see podcast lands. <laughs> Listener minis. Now let's hear from podcast lands. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. First up, we have Kieran Evans. 
What up, Karen? Hi, Karen. Ooh, ooh, Karen. Hi, folks. Sort of a dumb title, but I kind of like it as well. A 5,000-year pyramid pops up overnight. That would fuck up the archaeologists, wouldn't it? And the leering monks set the doomsday clock going on everyone's phones to hammer in their point. Nice. Yeah, but they don't leer, though. They have incredibly unexpressive faces. Yeah, true. That's a fair point to address. There are lots of people who are not in charge of military forces or national politics who are receiving a text message that means nothing to them. (laughs) (laughs) What about Greg? I keep picking on Greg. I'm so sorry, Greg. What about Greg, who's just there? Like He's in the line to Greg's. He's just waiting for his (laughs) sausage bussy. Which he gets for free because they named the company after him. Of course. (laughs) And his phone goes off. I don't know what this uh, two minutes to midnight thing means. I have no idea. I really wish I'd, I weren't spammed all the time. Oh. You know, it means nothing to most people. Yeah. We don't get to see someone who's performing heart surgery and mid-surgery, their phone goes off. Well, hopefully they would have turned it off. <laughs> but, sure. Um, Classic what? Greg to forget to turn off your phone. Anyway, yeah, sorry. That's I, what, I, he's I completely... not a brain surgeon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, Kieran, I'm interrupting your many. Kieran continues. The agro fuel plot feels a bit over the top for me. Speaking as someone with a chemistry, a PhD. Ooh, interesting. But Kieran supposes we should be grateful it isn't the end of the world via military means. Maybe a little nearer the mark given more recent events. Although I think the plague scenes in Doctor Who and the Silurians are harder to watch, especially the scenes at Marylebone. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, nice casting choice for the lady scientist. Kieran continues, the ending is fairly good because it actually does a decent job of making it look like the Doctor has thwarted the monk's plans, especially with the doomsday clock spinning back away from the brink. But then his blindness comes back to bite him in the arse right at the last moment. Yeah, it's a real roller coaster. Without that, we wouldn't have any of the tension that Leon spent the first part of the episode lauding. (laughs) (laughs) So true, so true. Guilty as charged. And Kieran poses a question. Was this a trap for the Doctor and Bill all along? Because everyone else failed the consent purity test as they were either afraid or it was a plan. Sorry, Leon's going bananas in the background. I'm gesticulating over here. (laughs) like this is kind of playing into my argument of a few minutes ago but yeah yeah good spot who other than bill would have done it out of love i don't think there is anyone so i feel it has to be a trap for them all the time a million and seven percent because they know everything that's happening on the planets including how hypothetically bill and doc would react under the this set of circumstances oh Mm. So redonkulous. What a waste of resources. What a waste of torture time. (laughs) (laughs) And Kieran ends, oh, Bill, what have you done? Slightly wonky for Kieran, but still very good. 3.9 out of 5 rampant enzymes melting everything. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Oh, really good stuff. I would really like to follow Kieran on Twitter. How can I do that? You can find him at KJ Evans too. Thank you very much, Kieran. Awesome stuff. Who's next? Why? Why, if it isn't good old Michael? Ridgeway! 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 Ridgeway. <laughs> Hello, Michael! <laughs> Hello, Michael! Hi, Michael! Oh, my goodness! 
Michael has been a fabulous chap and has provided a list of things he liked and a list of boobs. First, the things he liked. The creepy, invulnerable pyroviles. <clears throat> I mean, alien monks. I like the hijacking the airplane and junking the nuclear submarine. Mm. The uber-tense lab stuff. So that's how COVID got loose. Will these pesky scientists <laughs> never learn? Michael, we've been tiptoeing around that theory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we've drafted stuff along those lines and then deleted them. <laughs> <laughs> But for you, Michael, we will air your mad conspiracies. <laughs> Michael's next thing he liked. Badass doctor. Coordinate your attacks. The, the doctor nods in approval. Then it's time for some... Beast. First... <laughs> Slightly negligent to release all the top secret documents onto the internet, eh, Mr. Assange? I mean, Doctor. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> exclamation point, exclamation point. And uh, the Doctor can build and prime a bomb, but can't feel the clearly etched numbers on a combination lock. Are you kidding me? Oh, oh what? Is it too late to lower my rating? Feeling <laughs> <laughs> better about mine all the time. <laughs> and Marie, you'll want to pay attention to this next one. No, Bill, you are the stupidest person on the planet for not figuring out the doctor is blind. He was wearing his techie sunglasses and having Nardole explain everything for the last three episodes. <laughs> That's such a good oh, point. Yes. Seriously, that's such a good point. Like, how dumb is Bill? Especially when they're staring at the at the pyramids and Nardole is going, oh, the door is opening right in front of you. The door is closed right in front of you. Someone's walked out of it right in front of you. <laughs> Clearly, Bill has never watched stuff with audio description unturned on. He just isn't familiar with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, true. Uh, there's one more boof in line. Namely, if Nardo has succumbed to the virus and he's in the TARDIS, i.e. on the other side of the airlock thing, wasn't it already too late? <laughs> i.e. humanity would have had to consent to the monks anyhow? I feel like we touched upon this. Yeah. I'm not but... sure we made the same point, but I feel like we touched upon this. Yeah. <laughs> we definitely passed through this point. And possibly <laughs> Left didn't the door shut open. it in properly. Yeah. Unless, yeah, exactly. unless there was a second airlock beyond well, the it's second. It's called airlock one, so there must have been an airlock two. <laughs> no, there's just one, and it's been numbered. <laughs> <laughs> you would have called it the airlock. <laughs> <laughs> genius, yeah. absolute genius. <laughs> And to summarise, Michael's continues (laughs) nitpicks aside, tense and thoughtful stuff with an emotional punch. And he gives this a rating of 3.8 out of 5 eviscerated military leaders who should have made love and not war. Will these pesky military leaders (laughs) never learn? Ah, We would have got away with it if it hadn't been for you pesky military leaders. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you very much, Michael. Love you, Michael. Spiffing Minnie, as always. Yes, oh my goodness. Oh, so... you just 
humongous intellect. People who are not Michael can uh, do the next best thing and follow Michael on Twitter. He can be found at bad underscore movie underscore club. (laughs) Thanks, Michael. But Michael's not all podcast land. We have one more fantastic listener mini for you from Eddie Rock. That's right. (laughs) Eddie begins... Hey, who back when? Time to dive into this episode centered around a giant, mysterious structure made of rocks! There have been a lot of stories about alien invasion and conquering Earth, but very few have used this many rocks. No, wait. Taken this unique twist on it. (laughs) It's not some species that strolls in with a plutonium-237 destructor ray saying we're taking over. Instead, it's, listen, you all are about to bone yourselves, but we're here to help, and of course, subjugate you. I got big The Stand vibes off the Experiment Gone Wrong storyline, which was so much fun. It showed that with just a few wrong moves, the human race could be completely wiped out. The moral of the story being, don't go to work hungover when you're responsible for genocidal chemicals. (laughs) Erica was a delightful and epically likeable addition. Capaldi is constantly able to have so much fun, even in the most dire of circumstances. Nardol! commentating everything for the Doctor was a little obnoxious, and unfortunately it was pretty much his only role in this whole episode. The Doomsday Clock was a countdown that I don't think even Drew could hate. Wrong! (laughs) (laughs) And the show did a great job of establishing the threat of the monks, with them barely even having to lift a finger. And... Eddie concludes, overall, not as good as Extremist, but far better than this story's upcoming finale. More on that later. I give this episode... (laughs) Oh no. And Eddie gives this episode 3.5 out of 5 nonsensical Sonic sunglasses. Ooh. Until next time. Everyone together? Yeah. Go on! <laughs> no, you rock on any rock because you rock. <laughs> oh dear. Fantastic mini. If, absolutely, as always. Thank you very much, Eddie. Uh, people who are not Eddie, can they follow Eddie online somewhere? Learn about his habits, emulate his values, and try to become that much more Eddie? Yes, yeah, simulate all his permutations, look into his future, model his time stream. <laughs> Why, well, yes, you can, fortunately, because his entire existence is on the Tweety Box. He can be found at the Eddie Rock! <laughs> Thank you very much, Eddie. And that's all for us from today. What have we got coming up next, eh? We'll see you next time with a classic. What would that be, Leon? Oh, thank you for asking. That would be a Mordrin Undead. Ooh. I recognise the title as the title of a legendary episode. I feel like this is another one of these. Holy smokes, everyone knows about this episode that I know nothing about. And I have looked at a couple of screenshots and... Holy smokes, it looks badass. I cannot wait to watch this thing. Oh, lovely. <laughs> Fantastic. And the mm. next New Who coming up after that will be The Lie of the Land, which is... Sorry, Eddie Rock. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I know, I, lo- I was looking forward to it from the next time thing, but now I'm not so sure. 
the lie Wait, of the trailer. <laughs> it's not as good as this one? Wait, what? Oh, dear. Oh, no. Maybe I went too low with this one. <laughs> we'll see. Got plenty of room for this next one. <laughs> yeah. In the meantime, maybe, what else have we got coming up, Drew? Well, the bonus may possibly be a different audio adventure than anticipated, because we now have two scripts fully ready to go, and one of them is significantly less ambitious and simpler (laughs) to (laughs) produce than the other. So, Peter Capaldi will return. In? I'm not going to say. Drip feed. You'll find out more next time. Keep them on the toes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, give Podcast Land a solid semi. That is some good marketing. <laughs> That's it for today. But Maria, I want to follow you on the internet. All oh, right, yeah, oh. as well. <laughs> I hear you've got a good camera. I want to see all your nice pictures. Well, of course. You can find me on Instagram at Hamash and Jelly. Wow, those, those are three, three of my favorite, favorite things. things. <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, how about you, Drew? I'm I'm so, every week I'm surprised you're not par chips and gravy. Oh. <laughs> par chips and gravy. <laughs> but Drew, for people who want to uh, see the ins and outs of how your brain works, where can they get such insights? Ah, you can follow me by putting together three of your favourite words. At Drew, back when. Ooh, excellent branding. And your good self, Mr. Leon, how can Podcast Land get in touch with you? Oh, you can find me at Vodka Haribos and Hard-Ons. No, I'm just kidding. You can find me at... <laughs> See, that was that probably available. Use the rings for. <laughs> I, I'm registering that tonight. <laughs> New branding. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, Podcast Land. You can find me at Ponken, P-O-N-K-E-N. Say hi. I will say hi right back. He will. Mm. <laughs> it's true <laughs> well that's it you've been a wonderful audience thanks so much for uh spending this past couple of hours with us we've thoroughly enjoyed it i've been marie you've been great goodbye bye-bye <laughs> be right and excellent to each yes other. do that yes come out of lockdown sensibly bye-bye toodles Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome! High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it, we're at who back when. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters and more which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, ciao ciao. Who back when? Who back when?